We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. For the first time in three weeks, I did not butcher the intro, so shout out to me. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, the Rams are finishing up their 13-3 regular season, number two seed in the NFC, best record they've had <coughs> since since the three-year run where they went to two Super Bowls. Uh, but more importantly, Sean Mannion finished Sunday's game with a ESPN QBR of 3.8. Johnny, what, how do you feel about that? I was just waiting for Steve to bring this up. I, you know, seeing Mannion play and finally get an opportunity to show what he has, I'm like, I already know Steve is going to be looking at this really, really closely. And uh, yeah, no, no disappointment there. <laughs> well, look, so if you're a first time listener, we're not going to open the show with a giant Shaw Mannion segment. If you're a Long-time listener of Butting Heads, as in you've listened for the whole season. Uh, for you guys, I am going to 
break down live on the podcast all three of Sean Mannion's passes, but we're going to put that at the end of the show. So for first time, if anyone is a new listener, we're not going to alienate you with a bunch of nonsensical Sean Mannion talk. But we'll get back to Sean Mannion. But before and before we really get into things, guys, I want to remind you that you can find our podcast and all the Ramstalk podcasts, including Ramstalk Radio and Rampage Radio, on the Ramstalk Radio feed, which can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, and Spotify. And don't forget iebeatradio.com. They are our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All right, so guys, we normally open up the show with a game recap. This is coming out on Thursday. I made the decision that we're not we're not going to do that, largely in part to the fact that I was traveling during this game, and after the Rams got up twenty-one to nothing off of some great turnovers, uh, I wasn't able to watch it as intently as I would have liked. And also, uh, we blew them out. It doesn't really matter. But we're going to actually go through position by position here and give each position a great letter grade. For the regular season, because depending on what can happen in the playoffs, it could inflate or deflate these grades. Uh, I'm just going to assume if the Rams open up round one and Jared Goff plays horrible and we lose, we're going to change his grade. Same thing would happen if we go on a Super Bowl run where Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters completely shut down every wide receiver they play. So let's start out with quarterbacks. Johnny, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll let you open up the table here. Open up the table? I guess we're opening up folding tables, so go ahead. Well, you know, I, I need a desk. Can we open up desks? <laughs> I, I really need one. We're making up uh, expressions as we go on this podcast. Oh, that should be fun. Okay. Uh, so, as far as quarterbacks go, you know, you Jared Goff obviously is the main person here. Um, if we're going to talk about the entire – you know, quarterback depth chart and eh. the limited. I don't think we. Know. Need, I don't think we need to. Um, I mean, I think for quarterback, the grade should be for Jared Goff. I think for all these positions, we'll go with you know the guys that were actually out there. Um, like running back, when we grade that, we don't need to include Justin Davis. You know what I mean? You're no fun. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we can. I'm not going to give the quarterbacks a D because Sean Manning counts. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So giving the grade strictly to Jared Goff, I'll give it a solid B plus just because uh, Jared Goff exceeded my expectations. I will say I'm actually really proud of Goff's development. You know, I know, you know, we've been really critical of his uh, recent play, but through, I would say, I would say about 75% of the games this season, he looked phenomenal. You know, this guy looked like, you know, elite, an elite quarterback out there. So you, you can't help but be proud of his progression. And even with the kind of struggles that come along with this uh, progression, he's still a very young quarterback, and he's still um, there's still lots of room for improvement for him. So I think B plus is a is a solid grade for him. Yeah, I'm gonna go A minus. I think. The first 11 games of the season were an absolute A+, even including the Denver game. Uh, I mean, you watch just how much better he got overall as a quarterback. It's insane. He made some of the best throws I've seen watching Rams football through my entire life this season. Just some truly incredible passes. um, A lot of really smart plays. 
But then, you know, the last since the bye week, as you as you said on previous podcasts, we saw the emergence of Jared Goof for a couple a couple games here and there. Uh, I'd say most notably Chicago and Philly. Uh, Chicago, you know, he was bad, but I like really bad. But I'll give him a slight pass because he the line was terrible and that defense was really damn good. And he's not used to cold weather. Not a slight. It's not a pass, but you know, I. It's more forgivable than I think what we saw in that Philly game, where even though he cut back on the interceptions a little bit, he fumbled more, and he just he made some really terrible throws. And I know he got pressured a little bit in that game, but I thought that was far less forgivable than Chicago. Uh, in Detroit, he wasn't very good either. Uh, the last two weeks, he's looked better. Obviously, the four touchdowns in this game. You know, he literally threw a touchdown basically every third pass or every fourth pass i, I don't know I, third pass right yeah mm. i'll just go with it guys i was a communications major in college math is not my strong suit um but he, i'm i'll go a minus for goff just you know from last year to this year i think he made a lot of progression even though he was very good last year you know, this year he was a no-brainer pro bowler even coming off those bad games and i'm happy to have this guy as my our quarterback hopefully for a long time. And like I said, because he he played 16 games and the other guys only came in in garbage time, uh, I don't think it's worth you know rating the progressions of Sean Mannion and Brandon Allen when he was here. Uh, but yeah, we can move on to running backs. Now, running backs, obviously, Johnny, it'll be mostly Todd Gurley, but you know C.J. Anderson gets grouped in and John Kelly to a lesser extent. So And Malcolm Brown. I almost forgot about Malcolm Brown. What do you give him running backs? It's really a no-brainer. You know, running back has been probably the best position uh, on the offensive side of the football. So, A-plus for me, you know. Todd Gurley, still one of the best, if not the best, running back in football. uh, Injuries and all. And that's really amazing when you come to think about it. This is a guy that's been played, you know, playing through injuries and still, you know, creating a lot of statistical you know anomalies here you know it's just amazing how (laughs) how good this player continues to get and i think that he'll only get better along with it we we forget that todd Gurley is still a younger player as well you know and and if you want to throw in the backups in there you know you have uh (laughs) you have cj anderson who even though he's only played two games has you know, nearly 300 yards rushing in those in those two games. That's that's incredible. You know, and he looks like he's going to be, uh, you know, important down the line. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, Malcolm Brown, who even though sadly he's no longer, you know, uh, playing because you know of an injury, Malcolm Brown was by far an, an important asset to this team. And he actually bailed us out in a, in a few situations this season. So, I, you know, I think he's a solid backup. And uh, it's a shame he's not, you know, with us currently. And, you know, John Kelly and Justin Davis, if you want to throw them in there, you know, they're young developing players that, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to see where, where they go. But uh, overall, if you have a problem with the running backs, you either have incredibly high standards or just simply weren't watching football this season. It's an absolute A plus, and it's a complete no brainer. And yeah, I, I don't mean to turn this podcast into an echo chamber about how great our, the Rams are, but like this position more than anything is an 
absolute 100% A+. Probably the most valuable position on the team, or not most valuable, the best position on the team this year, I think, by fair margin. Uh, Todd Gurley in 14 games had 831 total yards, 21 touchdowns, one fumble, which he's never been a fumble machine, but even last year, during which you could say he had an arguably a better season, still had five fumbles. Uh, He was at times unstoppable. Uh, at when in games he wasn't unstoppable, we got mad at the coaches. We never got mad at him. I think, and honestly, I think it's mostly fair because he dominated for the most part this season uh, on the ground, through the air, whatever he was asked to do, he did it. And then even if individually, Todd Gurley's an A plus, and all the backups are A pluses except you know Kelly and Davis. I'm not giving them an A plus, but you know it's kind of unfair to grade them based on how little playing time they were given. Kelly, he saw a little bit more playing time over the last two weeks, but he was fine. But I mean, Malcolm Brown, we kind, we literally were calling for John Kelly to be the backup running back in the preseason. I think we were clearly wrong on that. That's not even a knock on Kelly. It's just every time Malcolm Brown got asked to do something, he did it well. Uh, I, I didn't actually know what I do have his numbers up in front of me. You know, he averaged 4.9 yards per rush. That's the same amount as Todd Gurley did. Uh, he, Really, every time he touched the ball, he, he did well with it. And then, of course, you know, C.J. Anderson in two games had one – it was one yard short of 300 yards. And, you know, looked like an absolute beast out there. I think that's some credit to the O-line, but a lot of credit to him just getting off the couch after a month. I mean, I love him, but, like, you see that – you saw that guy walking out on the football field for the first time last week. You th- nobody thought that he looked like he was in playing shape, and he just bulldozed people – on his way to back-to-back 100-yard games for a guy picked up off the street after a month. It's incredible what we saw from him, even though you know, I think his, his age and wear and tear was really over-exaggerated. But you know, all three of those guys are A-pluses. It's an absolute no-brainer. And later on in the podcast, we are going to talk about you know, what C.J. Anderson's role will be. But let's move on to wide receiver here. Johnny, I'm curious to see how you graded this position. Wide receivers is one of the positions that I think – every one of us were kind of intrigued by going into the season because obviously the addition of cooks really, you know, powered this offense and, you know, yeah, we had some players on the roster last season, you know, cough, cough, Sammy Watkins, but obviously that wasn't the right fit for this offense. So you bring in a guy like Brandon cooks and immediately this offense is rejuvenated and while I did think that this, you know, receiving core was going to be special, I had no idea how special they'd be. And they far exceeded my expectations. This is, um, you know, a trio of guys, you know, Brandon Cooks, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup when he was healthy. You know, this this was an all-star, you know, cast in my opinion. This, in my opinion, each one of these guys – deserves a uh, recognition and it's a shame that Cooper Cup is not healthy right now and you know even though guys like uh, Josh Reynolds stepped up you know I, I was real happy to see how how well Josh Reynolds has stepped up and you know we, we may have given Josh Reynolds hell you know in previous podcasts but we've also you know eaten a little bit of crow on that as well because Reynolds has stepped up when asked to and while he may not be as good as, you know, some of these other guys, uh, you know, he he's he's definitely improving 
And I see his progression week in and week out. You know, he may not be perfect, but he's get he's he's definitely improving to the point where we can take him a lot more seriously than what we were. And you know, when it's all said and done, you know, Woods continues to be one of the most consistent receivers in football, uh, along with Brandon Cooks, who for uh, I think he's one of the most fearless receivers in football as well. So um, even though Co- Cup is gone. I have to say, at first, I think it was a little bit of a struggle to find that answer for to replace Cup, but I think Reynolds has stepped up enough to the point where, you know, Goff can rely on him a little bit, and part of Goff's progression is due to the wide receiving core. So kudos to the receiving core. I think A plus is a more than fair rating for them. I originally had him as an A, but. I upped him to an A plus solely for this reason. Not solely, but it's a, it's a bit of an emotional reason. The last time, or let me put it this way, between 2008 and 2017, the Rams had one receiver throughout that whole time go for a thousand yards. You know who it was? From 2008, was it um... till 2017? That whole time, we had one 1,000 yard receiver. Ah, oh, damn! I I forget his name. It was recently. Uh, it was 2016. Yes, and I I know who it is, and the name escapes me, and it's gonna piss me off. So go ahead and say it. <laughs> Kenny freaking Britt. Yes, the only guy. Britt. <laughs> the only guy in that time period to have a thousand yard season was Kenny Britt, and this year we had two of them. And they both went over 1,200 yards. I mean, Kenny Britt literally got the 1,000-yard season on his last reception of the year. And this year we had got two guys go 200 yards over it. The last time the Rams had two players go for 1,000 yards each was 2006. And Johnny, I'm sure you know who that was. Was it uh, that one feller named uh, Torrey Holt and the other guy that Bruce something or other? Yes, it was. So, uh, look, I mean, these guys are clearly not. Isaac Bruce and Torrey Hall, but they're both incredibly good players. Brandon Cooks is a very versatile player. He's pretty underrated, I think, but not, I don't know. He gets paid as much as receivers better than him do, but that's not really a knock on him. He got, he got the money he deserved, but yeah, Cooks and Woods for two Rams wide receivers over a thousand yards. I mean, it's just incredible. It's hard to find a complaint about either guy. Uh, you know, the Rams, both of these guys, they're not, I wouldn't say they're not top five receivers. Hell, I think Cooks is probably a fringe top 10 receiver. By the way, they're just guys that know how to get the ball when they need to. They're great route runners, great, great possession receivers. Uh, Cooks is a bit of a, can be a bit of a burner when they give him the chance going deep. But I love having both these guys around. They're both great for Goff. Uh, Cooper Cup in the eight games he played this year was fantastic. And then, as you mentioned, unfortunately, he got hurt. Josh Reynolds, who was kind of a scapegoat on this podcast for a while, no longer is that. He he had a hell of a year. Uh, caught a, caught a good amount of touchdowns, five touchdowns, four hundred yards. Uh, stepped up when he needed to step up. Uh, it was a little rocky at times, but ultimately, I'm confident in that guy going into the playoffs. Um, now, podcast hero and preseason hero Kadero Hodge uh, was there. Not much to say about him. But yeah, man, it, it receiver is an A plus for me. It was it was a lot of fun to have these guys this year, and it's the best receiving core the Rams have had in a long time. So 
A plus for me. Position, okay, now we can talk about a position that's not as good, finally, and that's tight end. What do you give in tight end? That one's kind of harder to grade because I do see some progression, but I don't see as much progression and as quickly as I would have hoped. And I think a lot of us can vouch for that as well because we had such high expectations for both of the tight ends being, you know, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. Uh, Did we have high expectations for Tyler Higby? Uh, Okay, let me rephrase that. (laughs) You know, maybe not going into the season, but ever since Higby was drafted, we were kind of hoping that he would amount to at least a semi-decent player. And really, he has his moments, but that's just it. It's moments. And while Everett has stepped up, you know, from time to time, it's not as consistent as I would personally like. That being said, uh, one thing I will say is, you know, the receiving end of it, certainly uh, Everett has been there doing his thing. Um, To some extent, the blocking has improved for both players. Um, Not perfect by no means, but uh, considering that, you know, blocking was kind of a question mark for both of these players, uh, I I will say they, they have improved since being initially drafted. And that's that's definitely important for a team that relies a lot on, you know, protection. So I I have to say, you know, it is refreshing to see some sort of improvement. But again, it's not as quickly and not as consistently as I personally would have hoped. And this is why I, I have to give him a C plus. Yeah, it won't be minus. Um, the reason I was, I think, a little more lenient on my grade was I don't think they really asked to do a ton and I think Everett in particular made some big plays when he was called upon Uh, he'd be not so much but anyone who's listened to me on Rams talk for the last couple years knows that you know I've never been a huge Higby guy I mean I think he's a fine backup tight end but it's he's a very he's a below average starter I don't think there's any any debate on that Everett he was a project when we drafted him and I think he's continued to get better. You know, he may he may ultimately pan out as a second round pick. You know, right now I'd say he hasn't quite done that yet, but he's been he's been decent. He's he's been fine. Um, he's definitely shown flashes and something I've been happy about. But for this position, and I don't even think I really need to go into too much detail because this is one of the less you know, we haven't really asked these guys to do a ton and. I think part of that is because neither of them are particularly that good in Everett's case yet. But it, it B minus, I think it's fair. I don't know. They're they're just kind of average. Uh, that's about all I have on tight end. How about offensive line? The offensive line has truly come together and gelled as a team, which is something that was definitely needed for the past couple of seasons. And, you know, it's, it's kind of nice not having to watch Jared Goff run for his life. You know, uh, I have to say for a couple seasons there, I was wondering if Jared Goff was ever going to, you know, be the same, you know, being shell shock and all. But um, this offensive line has truly developed into something special. And while I don't say they're the best offensive line in the league or even um, I, I don't even know if you could say top uh, top 10, maybe you, you can squeeze them in the top 10, but uh, certainly not a top five offensive line. Uh, the problem is, is this is uh, a talented group 
but it's a group that's showing their age as well. You have, you know, Whitworth, Sullivan, Saffold all showing kind of, you know, with a wear and tear, you know, towards the end of the season. Start of the season, they, you know, they were really strong, didn't let a whole lot get by them. But now you're starting to see them kind of slow down a little bit due to injuries. And I'm hoping that uh, the bye week for uh, the playoffs is going to give them enough time to heal up, um, get back into the swing of things. And hopefully they'll be able to you will be able to see what we saw in the first half of the season with this offensive line. Um, That being said, I will say they performed much higher expectations than I had. And uh, for that reason, I think a. Uh, a solid B is is a good for them, you know. They're they're a talented bunch, and part of the reason we've seen the success of all of the other positions, you know, whether it be quarterback, running back, or even wide receiver to an extent, uh, is because of them. You know, you don't have a talented offense, uh, a talented offense in general, without a great offensive line, and I, I have to give them props for that. You know, much much better than I expected. I went similar to you on that. I went B plus. Um... You know, it would have been an A, like a lot of these positions would have been until the bye week. And then we saw some rough games from them, particularly Chicago and Philly. And that's scary. Um, You know, out of all these positions, this is the one that kind of concerns me in the playoffs because there's a good chance we see those Bears again. And I don't know how I feel about them, even if they won't be in the cold in that matchup. But overall this season, I mean, it's hard to really complain about them. Todd Gurley doesn't put up doesn't put up those numbers without a great offensive line in front of him, as we've seen in the past. When he doesn't have a great offensive line, his numbers are not good. So, you know, they they were good as a unit as a whole this year. Uh, and you mentioned the age. So, Andrew Whitworth and Sully showed their age this year, especially as the season went on. Uh, I think this it would not shock me at all if this was Sully's last year as a starter with the Rams. Whitworth, I do ultimately think we get another year out of him because I, you know, he's he's shown his miles, but I think he's still a good tackle, and I think probably the starter and waiting Joseph Nopum can use another season under him because by all accounts he's one of the biggest leaders in the locker room and just an overall great dude. But yeah, B minus from or sorry, B plus for me on the offensive line, and I hope that they play like they did earlier in the season in the playoffs, but that remains to be seen next week. Let's go to the defensive line. Uh, I could start with this one because I've let you start on all of them. I gave two grades here. I gave Aaron Donald an A++, and I gave everybody else a C. Uh, the fact that Donald was making all these plays while being double teamed for most of his possessions. I know the stat a while back was 70%. Watching the later season games, it definitely felt like that held Pat, maybe even one up. But for... I think Sue's struggles have been exaggerated to a degree, but at the same time, him and Brockers both making eight figures and not really putting up big numbers at all. I know numbers aren't everything, but Sue had 4.5 sacks. If Brockers had one, uh, you know, they weren't, they made Brockers had 54 tackles. uh, Sue had 59. So a decent amount of tackles, but especially with Brockers, who, you know, Sue had 19 quarterback hits. Brockers had four. I think I'm, I've been a lot harder on Brockers here. I love him. I shook this guy's hand at the draft. He's one of my favorite Rams, but I, 
he did not have a very good season this year in his first year as a team captain. And ultimately, he's one of the most disappointing players on defense for me. And that was kind of drowned out by how good Aaron Donald played. And I think Sue took a lot of the a blunt of the blame because um, the rest of the defensive line didn't quite live up to expectations. And I think that's more than fair. I think Sue got $14 million and is a former All-Pro. So I think it's a fair criticism. But yeah. A++ for Donald. He's going to be first team all, all NFL. He should be in the conversation for MVP. And I don't think he's going to win, but he should be in the conversation. And that. So I guess if we had to combine them, I'd probably go B+, just because of how high Donald elevates the group. But separately, that's where I'm at. You know, uh, this one, I it's really hard to grade objectively when you have such a superstar in Aaron Donald, you're, you're talking about quite possibly one of the best players in the game today. And then you have the rest of the defensive line. And for dramatic effect, I almost said, you know, maybe a low grade, like a D plus. But then I think I'm exaggerating my disappointment a little bit. And so I thought better of it and decided to give him a C minus overall. And let's face it, the majority of this decision is because of Aaron Donald. You know, this guy is just amazing. You know, he never, he never really can, <laughs> man, I, I can't even get the words out. He <laughs> continues to surprise me on how amazing of a player he is. You know, when you got guys like Howie Long telling you that he's the best player he's ever seen at defensive tackle, that's high praise from one of the best players to play the game. And that's just amazing to me. You know, and, and it's warranted. It really is. As for the rest of the defensive line, you know, the expectations were extremely high going into the season. And perhaps they were a little unfair because. You know, we had a high expectations with Sue and Brockers, uh, particularly because Brockers last season did so well, and this season just having a horrible season. And with Sue, while it might be a little bit exaggerated, I I have to say it's not that much exaggerated because this is a guy that's making a ton of money. And for him to not perform along with, you know, getting a lot of coverage, you know, a lot of uh, blockers away from him and going to Aaron Donald, this should be a great season for him on paper, but it really isn't. You know, in fact, it's very disappointing by the numbers. And, you know, if you don't even want to go by the numbers, if you really go back to some of the film, you see opportunities there, but due to some, you know, ill-advised movements, he doesn't make plays. And I don't know, for me, it's just, you know, seeing that happen. And again, I'm not saying that Sue is, is a terrible player because he's still a very talented player and he does make plays from time to time, but not the type of plays we're hoping for, you know, paying him this much money and, you know, being a part of what was supposed to be a star-studded defensive line and only turns out to be Aaron Donald. 
So for that fact alone, I, I have to give this a C minus just because it it was just beyond disappointing. And I think if I gave it a little bit lower, it's just me being a little bit too disappointed. But I think a C minus is a fair grade. It's really hard to go lower than C minus just because, you know, Donald is there and dominating, even though the rest of the defensive line was ultimately disappointing. But speaking of disappointing, let's move on to the linebackers. I'm going to go with a D for the linebackers. And the only reason it's not an F is because of Corey Littleton. He got a, a little bit of flack, I think, for a couple times this, this season during certain games. But overall, and even through pretty much every game, I was really impressed and satisfied with how Littleton played. Led the team in tackles by, with 125 and you know, 90 solo tackles. He was third on the team in sacks which is pretty insane considering he's an inside linebacker. But I think that says more about the rest of the team than it does about him. And, yeah, little got forced a lot of turnovers. Now had a hell of a game um, to end the season. And on special teams, I know it's not this position. Littleton, he made the Pro Bowl as a special teamer. A couple block punts, man. I'm really happy that we saw Littleton break out this year. And I'm hopeful that we can bring him back on a reasonable salary next year because – He's by far the best linebacker we have. Everybody else, just to be honest, was not good at all. Uh, I think we held out hope for Dante Fowler when he came in, and I don't regret the trade, but he really hasn't done much since he's gotten here. Uh, Johnny, would you like to guess the – let me add this up real quick. For our outside linebackers, guess how many total sacks the position had this season? Outside linebackers. The I remember a couple, but I'm guessing three. <laughs> you were a little low. It was six, but three for Ebukam, two for Fowler, and one for Longacre. I mean, these guys pretty much all played the entire season. They're edge rushers. Their job is literally to get to the quarterback. Never got to the quarterback. Ebukam had like one very nice game. Uh, and then other than that, he wasn't like overly terrible, but to be our, our starting outside linebacker, he wasn't very good. Um, I think his, his best role will be as kind of the third guy in a rotation, you know, maybe the second guy, if the other guy across from him is really good. Uh, Fowler had some flashes here and there, but you know, as a whole, I was not that impressed. And then Longacre, I just, I don't really think he's good as an NFL starter. Uh, he should not be a starter in this league. When Fowler got there, I think that was quickly realized. But they were disappointing. And then Mark Barron, who I'll give him a little slack because, you know, he, he didn't have a preseason. He kind of just got thrown into the fire. But he was also not good. Um, I, I can't really imagine him being on the team next year. We paid him $9 million. It might have even been 10 And he was one of the, probably the most disappointing player on the team overall. Uh, this position was ridiculously frustrating, and if it wasn't for Littleton, would be enough for me. Without a doubt, I, I could definitely see why you'd give such a low grade. And myself, I, I I gave him slightly benefit of the doubt, you know, for one reason. I, I'm gonna give them a D plus. Give them a nice little plus there. Uh, the reason being is because part of the reason why this linebacking core is kind of terrible is because of the scheme. You know, uh, obviously our defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips 
uh, prefers to run a uh, 3-4 defense, and that's all good and well, but we don't really have the pieces for that defense. And, you know, as far as linebacking, you know, Corey Littleton has been a big surprise. You know, I I know uh, coming in, we had, you know, the hope that he would become something special because we saw glimpses of it last season. But he's actually really superseded expectations there. So, yeah, uh, Littleton is probably the main reason for the D+. But the rest of them, like, I don't I don't really see uh, Ibukam as as a rusher. I I you know, I, I it may be a, an outside linebacker in a four three defense, not necessarily in a three four. I it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him. And and it shows, you know, he has three sacks on the season, as you mentioned, Steve, but he he doesn't look like he should be there, honestly. And Fowler, Fowler, I I still have hope for him. I still think he can be a situational rusher uh, where he can make some noise. But at the same time, I, I think, uh, you know, him coming in so late in the season, uh, I, I can't blame him too much. And we have seen glimpses of Fowler being, you know, something special as well. But, uh, you know, again, I'd like to see a full season out of out of Fowler before actually making a, a quick judgment on him. But from what I have seen, it hasn't been anything spectacular. So there's that, you know, as for the rest of them, Baron, who came off a major injury, came back. Uh, looked very disappointing. Certainly didn't play to the contract that he's under, but I can't necessarily blame him for that because of the injury and you know having such a late start. If there's any hope with Barron, is last uh, you know last week against the 49ers, he uh, he looked he's starting to look like his former self. Wasn't perfect, of course, but. Um, it looked a little better at least probably the best he's looked all season so here's hoping that in the playoffs he plays a lot better um but yeah very disappointing there and it's just an entirely young linebacking core that isn't that experienced that um may be out position a little bit you know even Littleton to an extent you know both uh Derek and Norm seem to believe that Littleton might be a better safety than than a linebacker but we're so desperate for good linebackers that we need Littleton at the linebacker spot or else we're really in trouble so uh, overall I feel like a D plus is more than a fair spot just because there's you know there's nothing else really to say about them Longacre he's not a starter at all Um, decent backup maybe but that's it I would say, uh, yeah, that's that's about all you could really say about this disappointing unit. D plus, I think, is maybe a tad generous, but uh, again, mainly for the scheme and for Littleton. Yeah, I think your positional complaint is definitely fair, and I think Mark Barron is a big culprit of that too. Um, last year, when it was Mark Barron, who's an outside linebacker in a four three. 
and Alec Ogletree, who's a really just a true middle linebacker. Those guys were both out of position, and that's ultimately why Barron has struggled, and Ogletree got moved, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think that's fair. And before we move on, guys, we do want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of a personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive line for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Future Hall of Famers and great players such as Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Les Richter, and Tom Fears in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. If you're looking for this book, you can find it at HollywoodSeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSeam. It's also available in hardback and electronic format, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other various booksellers throughout the internet, wherever you're getting your books, guys. Everyone, it's worth every penny for all Rams fans out there, but also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. And guys, trust me, this is Jim Hawk's story, Hollywood team, Rit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It is worth your time. All right, final position grade here. We're going to go with secondary. I am going to give it a B-. minus. I think Aqib Tlaib getting injured really hurt this group. And, you know, Troy Hill, he had a couple good games. He had a couple bad games. Marcus Peters, I think, overall has played really well when Aqib Tlaib's out there. And, you know, I've been really happy with what we see when Tlaib's out there. And going into the playoffs, I feel a lot better about Marcus Peters than I did midseason. I'm not sure if he's going to be with the Rams long term because, of you know, he got beat up. During those weeks to keep Tlaib wasn't here. You know, anytime you go against a really good receiver and they try to shadow coverage him, he really did not answer the call, particularly against Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. But again, I mean, those are two of the best receivers in the leagues. They torched plenty of defenses this year. But yeah, Tlaib, when he came back, I think he's looked well overall outside of that Philly game. He kind of got beat up. But with these two together, with John Johnson, who's played really well this year, and Joyner, who should be back. Hasn't played great, but has been terrible. I feel good about this unit going into the playoffs, but they were frustrating to watch this year, and ultimately that's why I landed on a B minus. I, I was, am I being generous with a B minus? No, actually, that's exactly what I had was a B minus, and wow, it, 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 no, <laughs> I, I'm serious. This is a you know, it's a fair grade because you know while there was some frustrating points and. You know, there was some, you know, people calling for Marcus Peters to be cut and everything. Completely ridiculous. But, you know, Marcus Peters obviously was imperfect. And we had this kind of high expectation, much like the defensive line. But in this case, you know, this is the type of, uh, you know, secondary that kind of has a balance. And once you, you know, remove one of the weights from the balance, you know, it, it, it gets tipped. And in the in the way that it happened, you know, Talib was gone for most of the season. You know, you remove that weight, then you know it all gets tipped in the balance, and uh, you know you basically have Peters. You know, has his good games and had his terrible games, as you mentioned, against guys like uh, Michael Thomas. And I can't necessarily fault him, fault him for that too, because. You know, my, Michael Thomas by far is one of the best receivers in the league. And, 
as far as uh, Talib is concerned, when he's on the field, with the exception of the Eagles game, he he performs well. You know, he's still one of the most dominant corners in the league. And, you know, putting him next to Marcus Peters is just nothing short of amazing. These past couple of games, you know, they, they've really shut down offenses that, you know, may not be the best, but they certainly can, you know, do a number on you if you don't watch it. And, you know, even down to the Bears game, you know, they make it, uh, you know, a lot of people made it seem like the Rams were dominated. And yes, maybe on the offense was dominated by the Bears defense, but it was still a very close game. And what kept them so close is the Rams defense. And truthfully, um, one of the reasons why the only touchdown of the game, you know, came against, uh, you know, a turnover by the Rams offense. So um, people forget about the wonderful performance by the defense against the Bears. But, uh, you know, it's because it was overshadowed by the poor play of the offense. So this is a very talented defense, um, especially in the secondary. John Johnson is still one of the most underrated safeties in the league. And LaMarcus Joyner, well, uh, uh, he had his moments, and then he had uh, other moments we'd like to forget. Um, But even down to, like, some of the backups, you know, Troy Hill, I I still feel like Troy Hill has – good moments just to prove me wrong you know he i i get down on him one week and then the next week he has a a a terrific game but you know he's been actually needed this season which is you know uh surprising considering the amount of depth that the rams started off with but injuries are a part of the game and he he answered the call when he was called upon and same with sham uh sam shields you know kudos kudos to him uh because for a guy that hadn't played for so long you know he he still plays relatively well considering his age and i I have to give him kudos for that because you know he came in and was asked to do a lot of tough things uh and while he may not have always done it well he still made some key plays here and there um and I, i gotta give the you know older man credit here because uh, for a guy that's older than his head coach, he did really well. Sam Shields, I mean, when most of us think about Sam Shields' season, you probably remember him getting obliterated by Tyreek Hill. But I think that's more on Wade Phillips because I don't think you should ever put Sam Shields at this point of his career in shadow coverage on Tyreek Hill just because he's fast. Uh, I, I thought that was a poor decision. I mean, other than that, Shields was pretty inspiring this year with how he came back, uh, you know, from not being in the league for a while and, you know, playing playing special teams, playing well. Uh, I don't know what his personal situation is like, but I'm sure he, you know, didn't totally need the money, but it was nice to see him out there and, you know, I'm happy he's part of this and hopefully we can get him a nice playoff run here. But let's move on because, Johnny, that kind of, that was a nice long segment we had there. So we're going to – right now we're going to go through the playoff predictions uh, for the wild card round. But we'll kind of go rapid fire here. Let's start in the NFC. Eagles, Bears, Eagles led by Nick Foles made the playoffs again. Great. Uh, sick. 
We're all really excited to watch Nick Foles in the playoffs again. Um, but luckily for us, if the Eagles win, we won't face them till the, the conference finals. And, you know, we, that might actually happen because they've been hot. But this game, I think the Foles run ends here. Um, he's due for a bad game because he's Nick Foles. And if he has a bad game, this Bears defense is going to be one that capitalizes on it. I do think there is a chance in this game that experience triumphs and the Bears kind of fall a little flat like we did last year and the Eagles sneak out with a victory like the Falcons did last year, you know, coming off a Super Bowl that, you know, we've literally seen this before last season in a very similar matchup. But I'm hoping that doesn't happen, and I think the Bears' defense will prevail, even if the offense shows some jitters. I'm going with the Bears here. Who you got? You know, I kind of want the Eagles to win, just just to mess with you a little bit, just to see that Foles matchup again, you know, for good old time's sake. <laughs> but you know, as funny as that really would be to see Steve, you know, get so frustrated again, uh, I, I, if I'm going to answer truthfully, I think it's going to be the Bears. They have arguably the best defense in the league for a reason, and I, I don't think Nick Foles is ready for this. I don't. I don't think he's ready to go out there and you know compete against one of these, uh, you know, linebacking core that can make him his life a living hell. And quite frankly, I think it'll happen. So uh, playing at home too, by the way. So yeah, I, I have. <laughs> absolutely no faith in the Eagles winning this game. I think the Bears are going to smash them. It's going to be a hot crowd up there in Chicago. In a, a hot crowd in a cold environment. And we'll see what happens. But if the Bears win, we'll get them next round, uh, which worries me a little bit. And But we don't need to talk about that now because it might not happen. We might end up with one of these two teams, though, and that is the Seattle Seahawks, who we've beaten twice this year hosting or not hosting traveling to dallas traveling to jerry world to take on the cowboys a team we haven't faced this year and offensively or their offense versus our defense might give us some trouble if we end up with that team but i think they actually do beat the seahawks even though seahawks are hot seahawks actually i feel like have been kind of a polarizing team at this point in the season a lot of people think they're you know could come out of the nfc a lot of people think that they're really not that good but you look at what they've done. I mean, since they started out 0-2, their losses are to us twice and the Chargers. Uh, they're they're a good football team. Their quarterback is one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, their defense has been getting better. But we have, and you know, we beat them twice, but we they were both very close wins. And to be honest, they were a little too close for comfort at times in those games. But in this matchup. I think the Cowboys are due for a playoff win, man. I think Zeke is going to come out swinging. Amari Cooper has been awesome since he's gone to Dallas. Uh, he cooled down in the last couple of weeks, but I think he will have a nice game here against Seattle. And the Dallas defense has been playing a lot better, and you know maybe they're able to take it to Russell Wilson. And ultimately, I think Dallas actually ends up with a win in this game. And <laughs> it might feel like it's a long time coming for Cowboys fans, but I, I got Dallas. Who do you got? If you want to talk about inconsistent teams, these are two of the most inconsistent teams you can come across. You know, the the Cowboys, when it looks like this team could be unstoppable, they go ahead and lose. Um, and same, same could be said for the Seahawks. But they have both potentials to being really great teams. 
And like you said, the Seahawks have, um, you know, some really, you know, the losses they do have for the most part are to really great teams, you know, three to L.A. teams. Huh. <laughs> I, I just I just realized that. And L.A. Super Bowl is on the team. table. Uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping for a freeway Super Bowl, but that's a topic for another day. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, in this matchup, I'm going to butt heads with you on this one. I'm going to go with the Seahawks just because, you know, the Cowboys' inconsistency has become something to be of expected, especially in the playoffs. And I just, I don't know, like, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Dak Prescott. I think he has to have a really good game against, uh, a, you know, underrated Seahawks defense. And on top of that, I don't. I just don't think you can put the game on Zeke's shoulders solely. And I, I think that's what's going to end up happening is they're going to have to rely completely on Ezekiel Elliott to win this game. And unless the Seahawks offense doesn't put up numbers, I, I think the Seahawks will end up winning this game. It'll be interesting, man. Uh, you know, Dak, he's, he's got some stuff to prove, and especially in the playoffs. But, you know, I, I think he had a decent year. I don't know where I'd rank him in the quarterbacks, but he's I think he's absolutely good enough to be a starter in this league, probably for a long time. Uh, because of the season they had, Cowboys fans are probably stuck with him and Garrett for a long time together, which, you know, I don't know how I feel about Garrett. I don't think he's a very good coach, but they had a nice year this year, man, and wouldn't shock me if the Seahawks got the best of them in the playoffs, but I, I like what I saw from Dallas, and you know I think I'm going to give them the win here. Before we move on to quick run-through through the AFC, let's give a shout-out to our other sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. Guys, if you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams, on the day they left for St. Louis, he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-7267. And when you call him and you make your appointment, use the promo code RAMSTALK. So he knows who sent you. He's going to give a discount on an already affordable haircut. You know, we've heard some people have gone to South Shop through us, and we appreciate that. And, you know, a lot of our members like Johnny and Derek and Norm have gone there as well. So, you know, we can vouch for Sal. He gives a mean haircut. Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays, guys, Sal's watching football. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. Visit your shop is worth it. Not only just to enjoy all the great Rams memorabilia he's got there, but Sal also provides that old-school barbershop experience. He's going to talk Rams football. And anything else you guys want to talk about with him, man, trust me. Sal's a great guy, he's a great barber, and you will not regret visiting his shrine to the Rams. Okay, AFC, Johnny, who you got in the Texans-Colts matchup? This one's a tough one, and I think that this is probably going to be one of the toughest matchups uh, in this you know playoff week. But um, I'm going to give it to the Texans by a field goal, honestly, just because... I think the Texans, if they are healthy, they are a really good, de- uh, a really good uh, offense to to deal with. Um, but that's just it. They they've been dealing with a lot of injuries lately, and they can't stay healthy for the life of them. 
So if they can stay healthy, I think that they end up winning the Colts. Um, and I, I think everyone should be back, you know, at least, you know, the people that aren't on the IR. So um, the the Texans, I think I'll, I'll give it to them over the Colts. I'm about heads with you here, man. I'm going to go with the Colts. You know, these are two of the hottest teams in the NFL. Um, the Texans, you know, they cooled off the last couple weeks. So I guess it's not true. But – you know, two teams that started off poorly. The Colts started out one and five. The Texans started out zero and three. The Texans got the nine and three. The Colts got the ten and six. Uh, Texans ultimately finished eleven and five. But you know, I'm going with the hot hand. I'm going with the Colts. Andrew Luck, I think, has been underrated throughout his career a little bit. T.Y. Hilton is one of my favorite players in the league and loves to burn the Texans. So I think that's what happens. And I think, I think, agree with you. It will be slim, but I'm going to go with the Colts. And how about? Our friends across the freeway, the Los Angeles Chargers, despite having the second-best record in the conference, are the fifth seed and playing in a wild-card game in Baltimore against rookie Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Who you got in this matchup? The San Diego Chargers. I mean, Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's right. Um, no, the, the, the Chargers are actually a legitimate team. And, you know, seeing them up against the, Char- uh, the Ravens, I, you know, I have to say, I don't really understand the Lamar Jackson bandwagon. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's he's a talented guy, especially as a, you know, a dual threat quarterback. I think for that reason, he's special. But as far as passing wise, his passing mechanics are just all over the place. And for some of the passes, you know, especially downfield, you know, I realize Joe Flacco isn't a an elite quarterback, but I would use Flacco situationally, and the fact that they're not just kind of, you know, makes me question the decisions. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't think they, they can contend with the Chargers at any level, offensively, defensively. You know, well, I will say the Ravens, have a slightly better defense. Um, I don't think that they can contend with the Chargers' offense. So that being said, I'm giving this one to the Chargers. I think you're being a little tough on the Ravens' defense, particularly because two weeks ago they held the Chargers to under 200 yards. But I'm also going with the Chargers here. It will be tough for them because, you know, like I said, two weeks ago the Ravens kind of whooped their ass on the road Um, but as we know the Chargers don't have a home game so they play 16 road games a year and (laughs) gotta throw some shade but when it comes to Lamar Jackson um, I think you know Flacco not coming in situationally says that they want to invest all they can in Lamar Jackson and see how it plays out because they're pretty much done with Flacco Uh, it's kind of just a relationship that I think has run its course Flacco, he got his money. He won the team a Super Bowl. He'll always be remembered fondly in Baltimore, but you know, time's up for him. Lamar Jackson, you got to give him, you know, as much confidence as you can. I agree on the passing mechanics, and we'll see if that comes in his career. But you know, his athleticism and his legs make it worthwhile to, you know, give him full control while he's in while he's playing and. The ground game since he's taken over has been great. Now we saw the emergence of Gus Edwards. Uh, Kenneth Dixon is back. He's a thing again. 
But yeah, the Chargers are really good, and I think they win this in a dogfight. I don't know what my score prediction would be, but I, I go with the Chargers here. Let's, Johnny, we've been going for a while here, so I'm going to save some of the stuff we had on our docket for next week. But the one thing I do want to get to before my Sean Mannion film study is Todd Gurley expected to be back from injury next week. It would be very surprising if he wasn't. But what do you think that means for our friend C.J. Anderson? You know, How much do you expect to see Anderson in a game where Todd Gurley's healthy? Well, if Gurley's uh, at least close to 100% healthy in this game, I, I expect to see uh, a little more of, of C.J. Anderson than what we have in any of you know, Todd Gurley's backups, um, you know, even going back to when Malcolm Brown was, was, uh, you know, doing his role as a backup. I, I think the goal here is to provide, you know, at least somewhat of a diverse running attack. I'm not saying splitting carries down the middle or anything, but I, I can, I can see them taking a, you know, a decent chunk of, uh, of Todd Gurley's, uh, you know, of Todd Gurley's carries you know, to CJ Anderson, I think that, you know, getting him, getting both of these guys on a rhythm is, is going to be very dangerous and will bring a a type of offense to the Rams that the Rams really haven't had in quite some time. So um, I do see CJ Anderson having a much bigger role in the playoffs uh, than what many will expect uh, simply because he just, you know, brings another dimension to this offense that we definitely want to see. I don't expect, you know, a huge role from C.J. Anderson, but I think like a slightly increased version of what Malcolm Brown's role was, I think Todd Gurley will get a couple more breaks than he had been getting earlier in the season because we know how good Anderson is. We know he can pass protect. Um, so when he comes in the game, I don't think defenses will be able to adjust accordingly. Whereas even though Brown played well, I think when he came in the game, a reason why he you know, kind of got a lot more open holes is because when Brown walked out there, I think teams just expected us to pass. Whereas when Anderson comes out there, I don't think that you can just assume the team is going to pass the ball because he proven that he can run at a very high level still. And I know that CJ Anderson, he wasn't exactly whooping up on great defenses over the last two weeks. No, he played Arizona and San Francisco, but we know that he can run the ball hard and strong. And, yeah, I I think he's going to be a factor in the playoffs for sure. I don't think he's – it's not going to be a 50-50 split. Probably won't even be 70-30. But, you know, 75-25 snap split between the two I think is probably what I would bank on. It might be a little better get, depending on how conditioned Todd Gurley is and whatnot. But he's going to be there, and he's going to be factoring. And, honestly, it wouldn't even shock me if he got some goal line carries here and there. All right, Johnny. Are you ready to study the tape of Sean Mannion right now? I I'm actually been looking forward to this for a while. So, <laughs> Steve, let the crucifying begin. Whew. Hey, man, you never know. Maybe, maybe I'll be kind here. These were, yep, Sean Mannion has thrown three passes this year. So we've waited 17 weeks for this. It is Sean Mannion film study. We're going to go through every one of his passes from the 2018 NFL season. Okay, first play. 4:15 left in 14:15 left in the fourth quarter. We got a third and six situation here. All right, I'm watching this live. Mannion, he drops back, looking for a screen pass. 
Not a great throw. John Kelly had to bobble it, but John Kelly made a great play. I think he got, what, 21 yards in that screen pass, something like that. So, you know what, man? Could have been a better throw by Mannion. Uh, let me watch this again. He steps back. No, for Considering it was a screen pass, there was virtually no pressure. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this back one more time to be fair to Sean. Nope, no pressure here. Uh, then he throws it behind John Kelly on a screen pass, the easiest throw to make in the NFL. So, Shawnee, not looking great. Next play was third and 13. Again, another screen pass. This time he had a little bit more pressure. Uh, John Kelly just straight up dropped the ball here. But you know what? Not exactly where you want the ball to be on a screen pass. Uh, maybe he threw it a little too hard for John Kelly's liking. You know, we're not out there. We don't know. Uh, no, to be honest, the ball goes right through John Kelly's hands. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give the blame to Kelly there. So, ironically, his one completion, incompletion was a better throw than his best throw of the season, statistically. Let's go to our last throw here, Johnny. 255 left in the game. It's second and 12. Uh, Mannion, little play action to Kelly, rolls out, not a lot of pressure, throws it to Johnny Munt, who is behind the lot of scrimmage. Look, I don't know if this was what the play was drawn up as on second and 12, but you would have liked to see him look downfield there. He looks to a guy who is literally behind the line of scrimmage and really has no room to go for what ends up being a five-yard gain. Uh, let's run this one back again. Play action. Oh, nope. I'm on the wrong play, and I lost my spot. So let's see if we can find that again. John Mannion. Uh, okay, here we go. I know this is great podcasting. You know, this is what listeners have been waiting for all season. All right, here we go. Second and 12, play action. It was actually a decent play fake that got a couple defenders to bit, bite. One guy was coming out for him, but a more poised and confident quarterback might have been able to look downfield before throwing it to the Rams' third-string tight end. John Manning decided to stare down month the whole time and throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage. How do you feel about Manning's performance in this game? Better than a 3.8 QBR? I felt like the QBR was a little bit harsh, all things considered. But, uh, you know, was was he great in in the fourth quarter there? Absolutely not. And um, I I, I think when it it all boils down to is – he didn't he didn't perform well at all so uh, i I'd, I'd be really shocked to see him back next season but uh we shall see it might be the last pass Shaw Mannion throws in a rams jersey i mean think about just like how hyped up we got on john kelly in the off season you know i want a backup quarterback that i could get excited about even if it's just stupid optimism for a guy that's never going to play you know i never had that with mannion uh, you know, we were kind of calling for him to play uh, during his first and second years. That didn't happen, and, and now we know there was a reason why it didn't happen. Uh, because I don't think this guy's ever going to be a starter in this league. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up next year. But ultimately, we all know deep down that it's going to be in Minnesota because the Vikings always get our backup quarterbacks. And you know, I think they've been waiting for the Rams to make move on from Sean Mannion so they could come sign him. And he could follow in the footsteps of greats like Sean Hill, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, 
as the next Vikings backup quarterback. Now, you don't know that, Steve. He could end up in the Cleveland Brown jersey. <laughs> oh, man. Be Baker's backup. You know, that's exactly what a young quarterback needs is another young quarterback as his backup who's not very good. Um, I don't know, man. I, he might not even be on a team next year. I, I think he will be. There's still a chance he's here next year on a minimum contract because we just don't want to bring in a new guy. But come on, let's let's throw a fifth or sixth round pick on a quarterback and see what happens. You never know. Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. Just saying. Mark Bolger was a sixth round pick. All right. Um, we were going to talk about the Rams and how they've done historically with the first round buys, but uh, we're almost an hour and ten minutes deep in this podcast. So Johnny, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, what are you going to do during your bye week? I'm going to be watching football, man. It may not be Rams football, but, man, this is an exciting time of the year. And while the Rams get to sit back and watch their next opponent, uh, it's going to be exciting all around because one way or another, this has bearing on on the Rams, you know, future. So, uh, yeah, be watching football, man. What are you up to? Probably the same. You know, it'll be nice to watch some football without personal investment whether that's the rams playing or my fantasy players playing and whatnot so it'll be nice it's honestly a really good slate of games this weekend i think all four could go either way uh which you know a lot of times that's not the case uh some really good football teams you know the eagles are on the rise i kind of wish cleveland could have stuck in there but ultimately they they really didn't have a chance given the whole hugh jackson dug them into but yeah, man. So we'll be back next week previewing a game against a to be determined NFC team, and we'll talk about some other stuff. We'll we'll probably get to the Zach Taylor news next week. But don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rams Talk. If you want to chat with us there, find the Rams Talk room. If you need help getting there, you can ask us on Twitter. You can find me at Steve Ribeiro. You can find Johnny at Johnny506. And don't forget, Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating if you can. Uh, And I know you can, so go out and get there, guys. For Johnny Gomez, I'm Steve Ribeiro. We don't have to worry about the Rams winning this week because they got a bye. So we'll talk to you next week. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. 
and they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.